right, so um, how we're going to do it, instead of just anybody jumping up here, um, Brother Dan gave me a list of the people that are going to be um, speaking tonight, and so I'm just going to go uh, through that list, and um, after a few people, if there is someone who's not on this list, I will give them an opportunity, um, but right now you've got about seven minutes, okay, so you've got seven minutes to be able to preach. Now, I'm going to be up here in the front row. And so keep an eye on me. If I start going like this, that means you got one minute, okay? And uh, if I start waving my hands like this, it means wrap it up, you're done, okay? Um, so uh, we're going to go ahead and start off, and I'm going to go ahead and have uh, Darren come on up. He'll go ahead and lead us off tonight. And uh, I'm looking forward to what the Lord will show us about what we're giving this tonight. Come on up, Darren. said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So it is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, how shall you believe? if I tell you of heavenly things. No man hath ascended up to heaven, except he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, 
and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Enon at the Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all, and what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth. No man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. All right, Gavin, you're next. Come on up, buddy. Well, I've got two and a half hours, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> what is forgiveness? It's the divine miracle of grace. The cost of God was the cross of Christ. The word forgive means to wipe the slate clean, to pardon, to cancel a debt. When we wrong someone, we seek his or her forgiveness in order for the relationship to be restored. It is important to remember that forgiveness is not granted because a person deserves to be forgiven. Instead, it is an act of love, mercy, and grace. Forgiveness can be incredibly difficult at times. Whether someone has harmed us emotionally, physically, or sexually, these kinds of wrongs are not easy to forgive. The deeper you have been hurt, the more difficult it is truly to forgive. And the more harder and painful, as the experience may have caused, the hurt in your life, there may be so many of us who've compounded this pain by letter bitterness, anger, even hatred into our lives against the person who caused the hurt. We have sayings like once bitten, twice shy, meaning we won't give people a second chance quick, very quickly if they hurt us once. We may give a different person a first chance, 
But the person who hurt her so deeply, you will not easily get close to that to forgive them again. We said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Meaning we are fools if we forgive someone a second chance. To err is human, to forgive is divine, and forgive and forget. But I don't know if that's possible for us sinful humans. Can we ever really totally forget when someone has hurt us, especially when they've hurt us so deeply? I can't believe it's possible, but it is possible to choose not to remember the hurt or not resignment from it. That's what God does when he totally forgives us. What does Psalm 103.12 tells us? It says, as far as from the east is from the west, as far he removed our transgressions from sin. God knows our many sins against us, but we willfully chooses to put them out of reach. And he promises that once those sins are forgiven, he will never bring them up again. Is it possible for us to do the same? I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we can choose to no longer remember an offence that has been forgiven. I can tell you from my own life that this has to be a conscious effort when you turn to God in prayer, whenever you feel those thoughts of resignment building up inside you. Why would someone keep a record of wrongs? Don't we do it this because we think we might just need to bring this list out someday? We want to keep the list in our minds to use as a weapon against them if necessary. I've heard people say with this attitude, say, I can forgive, but I can never forget. Like I said, we might never be able to truly forget. But what this person is really saying is, I don't want to forget. And I'm not going to even try to put it out of my mind. That's not how God forgives us. And it's definitely not how he wants us to forgive each other. He wants us to totally forgive the person and wipe the record clean. An unforgiven heart harbors so much needless pain, along with bitterness, resentment, or even revenge. The forgiveness we received and experienced should be shared with those who wronged us. God forgave us far more than we will ever forgive. He forgave all our individual sins. In the same way, we should grant forgiveness to others. Some people try to say that Jesus means we will only be forgiven to the degree that we forgive others. If that's the case, we might as well all prepare ourselves for eternity in a hot place. We can't measure up to that standard. No one can. Besides, we know from the Bible that salvation is uh, truth is rule. We know from the Bible that salvation is by grace through faith and not of yourselves. Doesn't say through our own achievements, like forgiving others. Jesus is not saying we have to prove ourselves worthy of forgiveness by forgiving others. It's tough work, and that's especially true when everyone around you is saying, don't do it, or you're a fool to forgive that person. Jesus wants our lives to reflect his love and to dazzle, to let our lives glorify God, to make him look good in the world around us. That means striving to forgive others as freely and graciously as God in Christ has forgiven us. Galatians 3.13, forbearing one another, for forgiving one another, if any man have occurred against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. But more than human effort, it takes divine help. It takes God's grace. I'm sure you're all familiar with the story of Carrie Ten Boom. I just finished reading her autobiography, The Hiding Place. She was arrested by the Nazis along with the rest of her family for hiding Jews in the home during the Holocaust. She was imprisoned and eventually sent to the Revelsburg concentration camp along with her beloved sister, Betsy, who perished there just days before Carrie's own release on December 31st, 1944. 
inspired by Betty's example of selfless love and forgiveness, aimed at extreme cruelty and prosecution, Curry established a post-war home for other camp survivors, trying to recover from the horrors they had escaped. She went on to travel widely as a missionary, preaching God's forgiveness and the need for reconciliation. Corrie's divorce principles were tested when she came face to face with one of her former tormentors in 1947. After a speech she gave in a church in Germany, she wrote, A man came to me and said, You mentioned Riversbrook in your talk. I was a guard in there, but since that time I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips. As well, frankly, his hand came out, Will you forgive me? And Corrie writes, I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven, and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible debt simply by for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. And still I stood there with the cornless clutch in my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. So woundedly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joint hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, will on my heart. For a long moment we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love as intensively as I did. Brothers and sisters, that is grace. We cannot do such things without God's help. We can be thankful for our salvation, which comes by grace alone, and still we need God's daily, or we need God's grace daily to live our life His way, and we need to pray for that, as Corrie did, just as Christ, by grace, grace forgave us, so we, with His grace, can forgive others. Ephesians 4:31-32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and glamour and evil speaking be pulled away from you with all malice. And be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. The ultimate act of forgiveness is when Christ himself is hanging on that cross, bloody and bruised. The absolute humiliation that was put on him was unimaginable. He had his flesh ripped open as he was beaten, mocked, spat on, and a crown of thorns forced down on his head, and the soldiers began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! The sounds of hammer and nails piercing his hands and feet, the excitement of the crowd as they screamed crucify him, had to be absolutely gut-wrenching to his father. As he watched, not just the saviour for the world, but his only son being tortured and ridiculed. After all this had taken place, Jesus called out to the father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The greatest injustice that has ever happened in the world. The greatest example of forgiveness. If there was ever a moment in history where someone deserved the free pass on forgiveness, it was at the cross. Yet Christ understood the true meaning of forgiveness. He was the perfect example for all. Fellow brothers and sisters, may we all strive to forgive everyone as Christ continually forgives us. Amen.
since we're going to be talking about forgiveness, I just cited, I was kind of reading my Bible and looking at different things. I was thinking of the cost of forgiveness. And like, to forgive someone, like Gravin was saying, it's kind of hard. Especially when someone's hurt you very, very, very badly. It's kind of hard to kind of go, ah, it's all right, I forgive you. I mean, but the thing is that God requires us to forgive people, regardless of what they've done, whether they've hurt you, abused you, cursed at you, mocked you, doesn't matter. You're expected to forgive them. I mean, if you look at the definition, even though Gavin like, stole my thunder, took my definition, but then the 1828 uh, Webster's Dictionary says, the act of forgiving, pardon, the act of forgiving, what forgiveness is, is the act of forgiving, pardon of an offender by which he is considered not guilty. At the end of it, it says, a Christian's duty. You're supposed to see something, even if Brother Andrew doesn't mean to me, I meant to go, it's fine, and let it go, and pardon him as if he didn't do anything. Because you see, think about it, Humility. There's actually humility in forgiveness. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. You you have to be pretty humble to forgive someone. Because, I mean, you're more justified to kind of say, I don't need to forgive them. They've treated me badly. I don't need to. But Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, it says... Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If you repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day it turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. See, forgiveness, if you look at the passage, says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if you repent, forgive him. It's something that's like straight away. There's nothing, it does, if he goes, I'm sorry, you're supposed to forgive him, like straight away, without even thinking about it. Because, I mean, I'm not lying. The Bible says it. And the thing is that it should be something that we're not supposed to dwell on. You see, if they come and repent and say, Brother Andrew, I'm sorry. Forgive me for you know, hurting you and calling you names. And it won't happen. It's probably pushing in the face. But if, he, but if I say, I'm sorry, he shouldn't be in the home and go, Oh, that demon, I'm going to rip his head off. He shouldn't dwell on it. Because if he does, then he hasn't forgiven me, which is dangerous. And the thing is that, you must be humble and remember what Christ did for you. How much he forgave you of your sin. In, I mean, if you look in your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke chapter 23, verse 34. He forgave you so much. And just kind of left it at that. said, okay, you guys have sinned, but I'm still going to forgive you. All the things you did to me. All the things you caused me. Luke 23, to verse 34. And it says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Like, it's just crazy. It just strikes me so much. The fact that it's like Jesus has been rebuked, attacked for no reason. Accused of something he didn't do. Didn't do anything wrong. Beaten and battered. And he looks at the people and says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing to me. But Father, forgive them. I mean, that's pretty hard. I mean, I mean, I get upset when someone flicks me in the ear and I want to hit them in the face. And I don't forgive them. But they had beaten Jesus, treated him like trash, saw him as nothing. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, that's, how, that's our attitude. That's the attitude of a Christian. It doesn't matter what they do to you. Unbeliever, fellow Christian, doesn't matter. You're supposed to forgive them. And the thing is that, the fact is, is that forgiveness costs you your pride. It costs you your pride. Because, to be honest, like I say, you're justified. Someone hurts you, you're justified to kind of be, well, they hurt me, so 
I'm not going to talk to them ever again. But see, the key word in forgiveness is give. You see, you have to give it to someone. Because you know what? If you don't give that forgiveness to someone, that person feels burdened, and you feel burdened as well. There's no freedom. And the thing is that when you give it to someone, when you give forgiveness to somebody, it costs you something. It costs you your pride. It costs you your pain. It costs you a lot of things. And because it's not one thing, um, it's not something that you just do one time. It's not that Brother Andrew, I heard Brother Andrew should forgive me that one time. But the next time, hit me in the back of the head. That's not it. If you go back to Luke chapter 17 and look at verse 4, Luke chapter 17 and verse 4, and it says, And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Like, like I said, it's not just one time. Like seven times somebody does the same thing, whether they do it on purpose, whether it's by accident. You're supposed to forgive them seven times over, 20 times over, 50 times over. It doesn't matter because I understand that. Sometimes my sister and I, we fight each other, well, not physically, but we fight and we have problems and so on. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, Wendy, oh, why you do this to me? And I mean, it's usually my fault. But I mean, we say, and then we have to forgive each other. Because the thing is that even this week, we had, we were kind of, you know, a bit of altercations here and there. And I had to go, oh, Wendy, you're so annoying. Like, but I have to forgive you. Because if I don't, I can't really preach this message now, can I? <laughs> Contradiction right here. But, <laughs> but the thing is that I had to forgive her straight away. And she had to forgive me straight away. We couldn't have problems. We couldn't do that. Because if we didn't, it would cause us to be, to be filled with such bitterness. And see, Satan's, seed, Satan's desire is for you to hold on to that unforgiveness, to hold on to it. And the thing is that when you hold on to unforgiveness, it fills you with sadness, bitterness, pain, and suffering. To be honest, <laughs> you're the only one that's suffering. No one else is because you're holding on to it. I know what I'm saying because when I used to not forgive people as a Christian, I was just like, oh, this person. I'd bear it up in my heart and I'd cry. I'd be angry. I'd be bitter. That person was going under every day, ha, 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 going to school, blah, blah, blah. They didn't care. It didn't matter to them because they didn't know. But I'm the one sitting there broken inside, and that's what Satan uses. And think about it. If you're stuck in that destitute state, you can't be used by God. Because think about it. If you want to go somewhere to be a missionary, let's come to Ireland or go to America or wherever, and you can't forgive people when they spit at you, laugh at you, don't like you because you're a Christian, then what are you going to do? Not forgive them? Is that what you're going to do? You can't really be used by God. You're not going to do anything for God because you're going to be so bitter and anger, angry and then cause us like, what's going on? I'll have to use someone else. And I don't want to be that Christian. I want God to use me as I am. I have to go to somebody else. But to be honest with you, everyone goes through things that you feel like, why did this happen to me? Sometimes you may even blame God and say, God, why did you even allow this to happen? Why should I have to suffer this? But you know what? God puts us through trials, whether they hurt us, whether they don't. God puts us through them so we can learn to trust Him and forgive others. So that when we, when we see someone just like us, we can show them the love of Christ. I mean, someone, someone, if someone came to me and said, this and this happened, and they were so upset and so angry, I can say to them, well, I know the struggle, and I know it's difficult, but hey, I learned to forgive. You can do the same. It's not something crazy. Anybody can do it. But see, to finish what I'm saying is, I encourage every Christian... Every single Christian, when you got saved, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Which means, your past is done. So whatever you're holding on to in your past, whether it was your father walking out in you or mother walking out in you, whether it's abuse, 
sexual, emotional abuse, it doesn't matter what it was. You've got to let that go. You've got to let that past go and forgive. And when you forgive, Christ will free you. Because you know what? Christ should have been unforgiving on that cross. He should have been saying, hey, what are you doing to me? I didn't do nothing to you, so therefore, I'm never going to forgive you. He could have called legions of angels, slaughtered everyone, went out to heaven, closed the gates, and that's it. But he didn't. He saw us, he cared for us, and still forgave us. Like um, Gavin quoted, Ephesians 4.32, But be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even for God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. No matter what happens, no matter what, who offends you or upsets you, Christian, Muslim, unbeliever, doesn't matter. You've got to forgive them. You've got to have a tender heart. Because when you remember, I deserve hell if Christ hadn't forgiven me. You remember, I've got to forgive every single person. That's, that's all. <laughs> You know, where I start, it's great to see these young men doing what they did. We've got a trainee preacher now from a crew. He's been called to preach. And you know, you see when you talk about taking someone's thunder, or he stole my thunder. Well, if you're preaching on forgiveness and we're all doing the same topic and we're filled with the same spirit, there's going to be overlaps. And we need to be preaching off the same pages. And that's what we are doing, is preaching off the same pages. We're different personalities and different experiences and we can bring different things to it. But there should be overlaps. I know. And I was going, yeah, yeah, they're stealing my thunder, the two of them. From me. <laughs> but anyway, nevertheless, I was blessed, you know, and especially with Darren did, because I'd seen something similar many, many years ago. And, you know, when the preaching or the reading of, public, uh, of God's word in public, there is a blessing from God. You'll have to excuse me, I was away at the weekend, so I put some notes down. Uh, it's only a few thoughts that I have, put them on an iPad. I want you to turn to Colossians, please, chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even if Christ forgave you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Different definitions, maybe different dictionaries or whatever, but when I had that, I must no longer feel angry about or wish to punish an offense, a flaw, or a mistake that someone's done against you. Someone maybe hurt you, and you've, no, uh, you've forgiven them, and you've no desire then to feel angry about that. Um, so uh, the first thing is in, in verse 13, when it says here, it says, uh, Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know, we have no choice in the matter. God has said we ought to forgive. And he says you have to forgive the brethren. So it doesn't matter whether they're a five-year-old, born-again, Bible-believing little Christian, or they're a 75, 80-year-old, born-again, Bible-believing Christian. It's your brother or sister in the Lord. It's a command to forgive them. And it doesn't matter what they've done. We're even told if a Christian has done something wrong on you, you're not to take him to court. You're to suffer the hurt. Now, you can try and deal with it within the church and have something resolved, but you're not to take him to court. We've got to think about our witness about the world and how we manage things among ourselves. But it's a command from God, and you really don't have a choice. The only choice that you have is to obey or disobey God when he tells you to do something. So in verse 13, it's talking about there, and it's about restoring a relationship. 
I was going to use Brother Dan. I'm not sure how much I want to wind him up tonight. But, you know, on a Tuesday, he loves to see me coming in because I sit down beside him on a Tuesday and we work away on our computers. And every so often he turns around and he gives me a thump for a laugh in the shoulder. And, you know, sometimes I can, I can say, oh, that hurt. Just like Celine tonight, she's got arthritis. She shakes her hand and she collapses. And sometimes he's got that knuckle. In fact, his wife actually punches harder than he does. He punches like a wimp. And she has given me a dead arm. And I go, she really hurt me. You know, I could take real sort of offense and let that eat me up. You know what it talks about when you start to get bitter? It's like a wolf and it gets a bit of meat and it shakes it and it tries to draw it off. And that's the way hurt, anger, offense and bitterness starts to get you. And we're not supposed to allow it to do that to us. So, you know, God says here in verse 13, and he says, forgive them. You've got to do that. And so what we're doing there is to restore a relationship with someone who's caused either something simple offense by saying a word, maybe not even realize what they've said to you, or someone who punches you and gives you a dead arm from a woman and all the embarrassment of it that she can hurt me so much. Do you know, but um, it's a broken relationship and then when the relationship's broken, there's distance there between you and the relationship. And so we need to try and restore it and that's what it's about. When you come to someone and you say to them, look, I'm sorry, and you ask them to forgive you. And one of the things that I just wanted to mention again is a thought that I had about the way culture changes. Words change You know, many, many years ago, during the time of George Whitfield, to be a teetotaler meant to be someone who actually drank bitter. That's a a, a beer, the type of beer that they had. But it's reversed over time. And to be a teetotaler, now everybody accepts that, without even thinking about it, is someone who doesn't drink alcohol. And it's the same with different words and phrases and things in culture. It changes, it mutates, it goes along. Even young people today, they go, wicked! I can't do it. They flick their fingers and make a click. And they go, wicked! To mean that's really, really good. That's wrong to use a word wicked like that because the scripture says wicked is sin, it's wrong. But things do change. And we say things like, Dan, I took offense and I was rude and abrupt to you. I'm sorry. And that's my way of asking forgiveness. But it's biblical to use the words that's in the Bible. And so really what we should do is, Dan, will you forgive me? Do you know, I think it was you mentioned about that really does humble you when you use the correct words and you go to someone correctly. Because that's a challenge and a change in you is to restore that uh, relationship with that person to get back into that uh, fellowship with them. Move on because I've only a few minutes. Verse 14 Uh, And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness or perfectness. You know, I remember uh, charity, uh, different ways of explaining it. But I heard at the men's camp, one of the um, American pastors was preaching. And he said, charity is a godly type of love. It's a different type of love than just saying, I love you or wanting to do something out of love. We think of charity about, oh, I'll give some money to help this poor guy who's begging on the street. But it's a godly, special type of love, is what he said it was. And you know, um, when you do this, when you restore the relationship, you're then keeping the relationship. And that's something that's very important as well, is to keep the relationship. Um, The distance is gone, and we're now able to continue in a relationship. And having asked forgiveness, then it breaks away any barriers of resentment that you might have. Those little things that gnaw away at you. Things that might gnaw away at our minds. Um, 
things like, and I'm just, I was thinking about some of the things he said, and I thought, it's funny the way he put it over, but it's true. So, why didn't I hit Dan back? And I'd love to hit Kathy, but she's a woman, and she'll hit me harder back anyway. Do you know, so, and there's those sort of things that go through your mind, and we have to deal with those because we want to keep our relationship now that we've got it restored back again. So I um, give Dan my, uh, my love and my heart needs to go out to him, and then I need to forgive him. So now I want to hold on tight to it. Verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. So then that helps to progress that relationship. So we've restored it. We're now going to keep it. And then we want to progress it. And that forgiveness allows us to progress in a relationship. Then into depth with that person. As we move on with them in life and in and even in our office setting where we are, it, we're allowed then to deepen that relationship. It becomes stronger as we get to know each other. And it allows room for love to grow and to deepen with them. Then the final thing I wanted to say to you then was, and someone's, uh, I'm not sure, I think you mentioned it when you were reading it. It says about um, when God forgives, it's as far from the east to the west. And I was thinking of Toy Story. You know, uh, Bud Lightyear, and he says, to infinity and beyond. Do you know, that's what God does with our sins when he takes them. Because from far as from the east and to the west, it's so far that there's no end to it. It just keeps going. There is no beyond infinity, because infinity just keeps going and going. And really what God's just saying, to put it into simple words, is, I choose to forget about it. That's what God does with your sin. And if you come to God in the morning, your devotional time, and you've got a sin, and I'm praying about Brother Dan because I was really angry with him and, and chewed him out for punching me. And I said, God, please forgive me. The way I spoke to Dan and the way I behaved towards him, I need you to forgive me. And then later on in the day, and I see Dan, and I feel guilty about it, and I go outside into the other room, and I said, God, will you forgive me for what I did, the way I spoke to Dan? You know, God goes, forgive you for what? You see, he already forgave me. You don't have to keep coming back and bringing it up to him. And see that the forgetting, that forgetting is something that you have to work on. We have a fallen nature and it's difficult and it's not easy to forget. But it's something we have to work on and something we have to practice. Use scripture, memorize that and use that to control your mind. Pray about the person, pray about yourself and where you are and choose and work on how to forget. But there's one person who never forgets about the wrongs that you've done. Do you know who that is? Who said the what? Satan never forgets. What is he? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the father of lies. And he brings those things up to you. You go, oh, I forgot about that. Do you know how to deal with that? Do you remember what Jesus said said to Peter at that time? He goes, get thee behind me, Satan. Use scripture. Chase him away. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I command you to leave me alone. Anytime those things are brought into your mind. Just thought I'd share those thoughts with you. All right, that's pretty much all of our preachers. I'm going to give it. I'm going to leave it open. Does anyone else want to come up before I, cl- I finish it out? Giving an opportunity for anyone else who want to come up and preach. All right. Okay, I'm not done yet. So, even though Dean stole my message completely. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean completely. So, um, 
Amen. Um, but I do want you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Verse number 21. But uh, we've heard some excellent, excellent messages tonight. And um, forgiveness is one of the important things that a Christian can do. And um, forgiveness is one of the things that makes Christianity unique. Because it doesn't make sense. Um, Forgiveness... For most people, it's the hardest thing to do. And uh, if you look here in Matthew chapter 18, verse number 21. Now, Jesus had had spoken in previous verses about um, if if his brother trespasses against you, you know, go and tell him his fault between him and thee alone. There's a process that Jesus was telling us, you know, those the people there do this. Well, in verse number 21, uh, after Jesus was talking about these things. It says here, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft or how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? You see, sometimes Peter, you know, he gets he gets a bad rap for, um, you know, maybe just saying things without thinking. Um, but here, I, I don't know if Andrew was such a. A, a problem to him. I don't know, you know, for uh, for Peter to say, you know, how how many times should I forgive? Should I forgive my brother Andrew? Um, you know, I don't know if he was thinking that or if um, really Peter was wanting to know what the limits of forgiveness was. How far do I have to go to forgive somebody? Is it just seven times? Do I just have to forgive him seven times and then after that seventh time? You know, I can just, I can be angry and, and, and hateful towards him and bitter. Um, but look at verse number 22. Jesus gives him an answer that I don't think Peter was expecting. Verse 22 says, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now that is 490 times. And that number, I think, was, God was giving that number as an example that there is no limit to forgiveness. And, uh, and I don't think Peter was now, after that day, saying, okay, that's one, you know, or that's 51, 51, I've got 300 and some odd left to go. He, he wasn't counting them, at least I hope not, but um, the... The, the, the importance here is that there is no limit to forgiveness. Um, when someone does you wrong, you're supposed to forgive them. As hard as it is, as much as we do not want to do it. Um, because forgiveness is the hardest thing for us to do. Because we like to feel like we've been wronged. Because first of all, when we have been wronged, um, usually it is because either um, you know physically or emotionally, spiritually, different things where someone has wronged us. And it's easier to hold on to that wrong than to forgive. Um, and it's because as Dan or sorry, as uh, Dean was saying, it's because of our pride. We we want to feel that hurt. We we in a sense we want to feel that hurt because then 
we can, we can allow ourselves to be angry at somebody. We can allow ourselves to be upset at somebody because we don't want to forgive them. And um, as Gavin was saying, one of the, the um, definitions of forgiveness is to cancel the debt. When you cancel a debt, you take the loss. When you uh, say someone hurts you, and, you know, or even in a business transaction... You know, if someone has owed you money and, you know, and, and they're not going to be able to pay you back, to cancel a debt means you're taking that loss. You're allowing them to be able to, to go away with not owing you anything. And you're the one that has to take that loss. You're the one who has to deal with everything else that... Um, is going to happen along the way. Many times we blame others for the things that we do that happen to us. Because it's easier to blame another than take responsibility for our own actions. And even in here, most of us have been hurt by others in our past. Um, I mean, we've all been hurt. Um, either someone has, has maybe said something that was hurtful. Maybe, again, there's uh, situations in our life where... Um, they just it, just, it was like a, a, a knife just stabbing into your heart. Um, it hurts. It hurts deeply. But if we do not forgive, we allow that pain and we allow that scar to never heal. And as long and, and, and as long as we keep that event, whatever it was that happened, as long as we do not forgive, that event will forever have power over you. It'll keep you in bondage. Uh, you will you'll go through your life always thinking about what happened to you. How much you didn't deserve what happened to you. And in, unless we and, and if we do not forgive, then that will never heal. We're supposed to leave our burdens at the cross. That's every single burden. Not just the burdens of life that we carry, but sometimes the burdens of our most hurt times. The ones that, you know what, I may not know about them. None of us in here may know about them. But God knows exactly what they are. He knows the hurt that you've been through. He knows the sorrow that you've been through. And only He can heal you. And that's why we need to forgive and say, God, I'm, I'm giving this to you. Because unless you take this, I can't carry this anymore. Because if I try to carry it myself, I'm going to grow bitter. I'm going to grow angry. I mean, bitterness springs up from unforgiveness. That's where it comes from. And oftentimes, the people who are bitter are bitter at things that most people don't even know what happened. You know? Um, it, it's crazy. I mean, people will give you... They get bitter about some, some weird things. Like, you know, for example, uh, people get upset and bitter. You didn't say hi to me at church. You know? And because... And they didn't... You know, maybe it was just a crazy day. That happens a lot. <laughs> you know? Sometimes it's just a busy, crazy time and... 
And, uh, you know, and someone says, well, you know, you never said hi to me. And we may think, well, that's stupid. That's silly. But there are some people that, you know, they, maybe they're just really down and said, you know what, maybe I just don't feel appreciated. But they, even though you did not intentionally mean to hurt them, and they don't, and you don't even know about it. But that person, they feel that hurt, and they allow that bitterness to come in. Um, and so, again, it's just the need for forgiveness is a lot. Um, but the most important thing that I wanted to really kind of talk about tonight is that there's one person that you need to forgive the most, and that's yourself. You see, every single person here, we've got some things in our past that we could probably we probably regret. We wish that we never did. Um, we're probably glad that maybe some somebody doesn't know about them. You know, and we would we would be scared, I guess you could say, if someone were to take a flashlight and and illuminate what some of the things that we did in our past. The reason why we need to forgive ourselves is because when you trusted Christ as your Savior, God forgave you for everything. He forgave it to you. He forgave you everything. That deepest, darkest moment in your life, whatever it could have been, and it's the one that the one thing that you regret the most, and you beat yourself up all the time about it. You know what? You need to forgive yourself. Because God already forgave you. And when you start thinking about, you know, when, when that, whatever it was in your past, it, you know, it starts coming into your mind, it's not God reminding you about your sin. God doesn't bring up the old dirt, so to speak. We know, as, as Eric said, the one that's bringing that up is Satan. You see, God will never bring up your sin and say, you remember that time that you did that? You did something pretty wicked. And, um, you know, I never forgave you for that. He's not like that, is he? As was mentioned tonight, he chooses to forget. And so he doesn't go back through our dirty laundry and bring it back to our saying, saying, here, this is what um, your past is. He doesn't do that. He's forgiven us completely. And... Um, and that's really the main thing I really want to focus on tonight is you need to forgive yourself. Yes, we may have done some things in the past. Yes, we may have failed God. Maybe we didn't do what God told us to do and, and, uh, and sometimes we beat ourselves up about it. But the thing that is most important is that God gives you another day. He gives you another chance to serve Him. He gives you another chance to put that in the past and to live for him um, the Bible says that the compassions of God are, are renewed every day I mean every day he gives you another opportunity to live for him and um, I'm thankful for that because we could live in defeat we could live in hopelessness saying you know what I failed I, I disappointed I'm a failure we could easily live on that. But instead, God says, Pick, get yourself up, 
you know, dust, you know, get the dust off your off your knees, and follow me again. Get right back where you were, and keep following me. And um, we live in a, a time where there's a lot of defeated Christians who think that they'll never measure up to God's standard. We can't, but we can try our best, and we can live for Him. And if we stumble, we're going to. We're sinners. But when we stumble, don't stay down. Get up. Get up and continue to follow God. And when you get up, forgive yourself. You know what? I blew it. I can't do that again. I don't want to do that again. Lord, help me not to do that again. And keep your focus on God and serve God. And uh, so that's just the main thing I want to really bring to the table tonight. And uh, we're going to go ahead and close in a word of prayer.